This is Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio, where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm your host, Dan Wanshura. Coming up later on the show, harmful blue-green algae is creeping into northern Michigan's inland lakes. Big patches of it took over Six Mile Lake this summer, and some of the reasons may surprise you. Basically, in the last few decades since zebra mussels have come on the scene and have been invading lakes. Uh, They've sort of flipped everything on its head um, as far as cyanobacterial blooms go. Hear what waterfront property owners can do and how state officials are keeping track of the problem. Plus, we've got a couple more book recommendations from your neighbors in northern Michigan. But first, Sherry McWhirter. She's the environmental reporter for the Traverse City Record Eagle. She's been following a local battle over septic tanks in northern Michigan, and she stopped by IPR to talk with reporter Kay LaFond about septic regulations in Kalkaska County and why some want to see them gone. Can you talk about septic tank regulations in the state of Michigan generally? How do they compare to other states? The interesting thing about Michigan is that we have more freshwater resources than anywhere else in the nation but Michigan remains the only state in the nation that doesn't have a uniform sanitary code that regulates septic systems. Can you talk about northern Michigan specifically? You know, do we we have a, kind of a problem in this region with old septic tanks? How widespread is it? And um, what are the impacts on, on water quality? A lot of homes in northern Michigan are on septic tanks. And historically, as septic tanks haven't always been ideally designed. There's two concerns, really. The first is that the nutrients or the bacterias from wastewater might make their way into groundwater, where many people also pull their drinking water from. The second concern is that these wastewaters might drain into surface waters, like lakes, streams, and those excess nutrients can often lead to algal growth. What regulations um, exactly are Kalkaska County trying to opt out of and why? Kalkaska County officials about 11, almost 12 years ago, instituted a point-of-sale inspection rule that's operated through the district health department. And it requires an inspector to look at both the septic system and the water well at the time of transfer of a property. The Kalkaska County Board of Commissioners in November last year voted to begin the process to exempt themselves out of this regulation. And that's why the district health department held a public hearing and asked all the other counties in the district health department to consider whether or not Kalkaska County should be allowed to withdraw. They need the approval of every county in the district. And on Monday, Manistee County commissioners will decide whether or not they think Kalkaska County should be able to withdraw. What have been the major voices wanting to withdraw from the point of sale and and why are they so invested in it? A number of realtors in the Kalkaska County area have raised some concerns about the program. The criticisms were that there were too many exemptions. The the program wasn't effectively catching all of the, the property transactions. There were also complaints about the time that it would take to get a report back from inspectors, that it was holding up real estate transactions. All right. Um, anything else you want to say about this that we didn't cover? Only that it's it's recommended that those who have septic systems regularly have their systems inspected just for the benefit of their own water quality and maintenance of their property. Well, thanks so much for coming by. You bet.
This is Points North. I'm Dan Wanshura. You've probably heard about harmful blue-green algae on Lake Erie. A large bloom of it famously shut down the city of Toledo's water supply in 2014. But did you know that damaging algae blooms on Michigan's inland lakes every year? Now it's showing up in northern waters. Interlochen Public Radio's Kay LaFond has more. On a chilly October morning, ducks break the silence in Sherry Hogan's yard, and fog rolls off the water. Hogan and her husband have owned this year-round home on Six Mile Lake since 1985. This is a great lake. It's a great swimming lake. It's a great fishing lake. And, you know, it's a great skiing lake, too. Six Mile Lake is in northern Michigan, on the upstream end of a chain that includes popular elk and torch lakes. Hogan says the lake is pristine. Otherwise, she wouldn't be able to partake in her favorite waterfront activity. Obviously, loon watching. (laughs) That's what we love. But on this largely wooded lake where nesting loons raise healthy chicks, Hogan saw something new this year. Harmful blue-green algae, technically called cyanobacteria. This year was a strange year. We had the bloom. We've never had it here before. And then all of a sudden, the conditions just became right, and it was in the lake in big patches. The bloom was lake-wide, and it lasted for two weeks. Cyanobacteria can produce toxins. It can give you vomiting and diarrhea if ingested, or a rash from skin contact. Certain types of this blue-green algae can be toxic, you know, can make your pets sick. And so you shouldn't swim in it, and you definitely shouldn't be drinking it. And so, yeah, it was an inconvenience. Harmful algae blooms are driven in large part by warm temperatures and nutrients from fertilizer running into water bodies. Nutrients from old or improperly maintained septic systems can also contribute. In the southern part of the state, it's warmer, and there are just more farms and lawns being fertilized, so you're more likely to see cyanobacteria there. But Aaron Parker of the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy says he's seeing more and more blooms up north. I seem to be hearing about new lakes uh, in the northern part of the state every year. Um, I, I'll get a call about a new one that I haven't been to, such as, you know, Six Mile. Parker says the reason could be the invasion of zebra mussels. The mussels eat other tiny organisms in the water, but they don't always eat cyanobacteria, giving it an unfair advantage. So oftentimes, if I do see a bloom that occurs in in one of the northern lakes, one of the first things I look at is, is there a known zebra mussel presence in there? Because now, even in, in your low and medium nutrient lakes, uh, such as is common in northern Michigan, we're starting to see these uh, cyanobacteria blooms in those two. The state of Michigan has confirmed cyanobacteria on more than 70 Michigan lakes since 2016. But Parker says that with more than 11,000 lakes in the state, he doesn't consider the problem widespread. Monitoring of blooms relies heavily on people calling in to report them. If I were to take a dart and throw it at a map of Michigan and then go and sample the closest lake to wherever that uh, uh, dart landed, the the chances that I'm going to find a cyanobacteria bloom, not very likely. But Parker says it's possible we'll see even more blooms as zebra mussels spread and as the climate warms. If it continues to get warmer as you progress further north in the state, then yes, we could see um, increased occurrences of cyanobacteria blooms up in the northern part of the state. Dave Edwards is the Monitoring and Research Director with the Tip of the Mitt Watershed Council. 
He says one of the best things lakefront property owners can do is keep nutrients from getting in the water in the first place. Well, I can say that the most uh, beneficial or healthy shoreline practice would be to maintain a, a buffer zone between a residential property or a cabin and the lakeshore, meaning a healthy abundance of, of native vegetation, woody plants. You know, not having a mowed lawn right up to the water's edge um, is a beneficial practice for people to do. Edwards confirms that his organization is just starting to encounter harmful algae blooms in their service area, which is Antrim, Charlevoix, Sheboygan, and Emmett counties. Like I said, it's relatively new for us, so we're, we don't have much much to go on. <laughs> but he says they're actively documenting any blooms they discover. For Points North, I'm Kay LaFond. I'm Dan Wanshura. This is Points North. We recently asked you, what's one of your favorite books and why? A couple folks at the Traverse Area District Library book sale had these recommendations. Uh, my name is Clark Miller, and uh, my favorite book is by a, a German. He's actually a judge and a writer, and his name is Bernard Schlink. And the book is called The Reader, and I've read it probably five times. And the reason is it's that new generation coming along in Germany after the war he falls in love with a, an older woman. Uh, she turns out to have a past that is really something quite surprising and pretty, pretty awful. And he has to deal with that. And th- this kid grows into a, a lawyer himself. It's, it's just dealing with moral issues, with young love coming of age uh, in, in a post-war Germany. And then the next generation, how they dealt with it, that, uh, that's pretty profound. That's why I've read it so many times. Phyllis Croce, Little House in the Big Woods. I remember that my third grade teacher read it to us during nap time. And then my father, coming home from the train, picking him up from the train and in New Jersey, we stopped at a bookstore and I said, I really want this book. And he bought me Little House in the Big Woods. I think it was the first hardbound book that I had, I was six years old, and just learning to read. And I just thought it was a wonderful story. Inspiration for this project comes from Bookmarks, a new series from To the Best of Our Knowledge. The show's host, Anne Strainchamps, interviews some of the world's greatest authors and gets their book recommendations. We'll post a link to the new series on our website, pointsnorthradio.org. And that's the show this week. I'm Dan Wanshura. Noelle Riley is our executive director. Catch Points North every Friday on Interlochen Public Radio or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.